Hey, it's Hannah from Echo and Encourage. Welcome to season two, episode one. Thank you so much for your patience with this getting out there. I am so excited to welcome Amelia and Gregor to this episode. You are going to learn what it's like being a physician associate, a bit about dance, and about what it's like to own not one, two, three, but four homes. I met Emilian and his lovely wife, Amy, back when we were students at Union College. So excited for you to get an inside scoop into this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Echo and Encourage podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Abbott, and I am so excited to have Emilian Gregor come on the podcast today. Welcome, Emilian. Thank you, Hannah. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Emilian was born in Romania, moved to Spain when he was 10 years old, and moved to California at the age of 17. He ended up at Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska, where he met his beautiful wife, Amy. He became a physician assistant and now works in Lemoore, California. He likes to work on cars, houses, and anything else that involves using his hands. In the last year, he has also developed a passion for dancing salsa and bachata. So much fun. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. You're welcome. Emilian, it was so much fun meeting you and Amy back in Union College days. I was actually in the pre-physician assistant program with you guys, and that was such an interesting and fun time for me. For anyone listening to this episode, check out the recent sermon that I had at his church, and we go into depth about that story. But Emilian, please share with us. To anyone who's interested in learning about becoming a physician assistant, also known as PA, what are some of the things that you love about it? Sure. Um, first of all, now, just as of about a year ago, they have changed their name to physician associates. Oh. But everybody still uses physician assistant. Nobody really knows what a physician associate is. So, you know, having said that, um, to become a physician assistant, you do have to get a uh, four-year degree. Um, usually, you know, most people do uh, biology, chemistry, biochem, some sort of a health science or, or um um, general biology uh, science. Um, I was lucky enough to find a program uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska Union called International Rescue and Relief with an emphasis in uh, pre-professional studies, either pre-med or pre-PA. And what that allowed me to do was um, not only just get my general uh, classes, so general chemistry, biology, uh, microbiology, and uh, biochem and all those other fun classes, as well as get uh, some more hands-on experience through getting um, EMT uh, certification, um, so emergency medical, medical technician, um, as well as get some uh, other courses like how to place IVs, how to do sutures, and then as well as going out to Colorado for five weeks and we did uh, um, some search and rescue training uh, as well as water rescue, rope rescue, so we're out in the woods and um, uh, doing um, scenarios, how we would save people in those things. And then for our last semester of our college, we would go to a thorough country for us. My wife, Amy, and I, we went to um, Nicaragua. Um, other kids have gone to Honduras, they've gone to uh, Venezuela, they've gone to uh, Malawi. So just depending on the year is where you go. But we were there for three months and then we do um, a little bit of firefighting. We do clinical hours. We do some uh, nonprofit work. Um, and then just a lot of, um, we try to go to the hospitals and, and, uh, and learn from the um doctors there, nurses, and we just kind of do a little bit of everything. We also help build the school and just whatever we're needed. But 
it uh, made it um, a little bit less uh, daunting to just be in class, you know, eight hours a day, studying biology, studying chemistry, and just like four years of that and no real tangible, you know, one-on-one -on -one person experience on, on the healthcare. So for Amy and I, uh, we were both in the same program and we had seen probably hundreds of patients before we actually entered the PA profession, um, just uh, the, the PA program because of the opportunities we had in school. So I would encourage anybody, if you're looking to become a PA, if you're looking to become a doctor, a speech language pathologist, a, a physical therapist, a dentist, whatever it may be, uh, find a program. Um, not gonna tell you just go to Union College because that'll be great, but um, find a program that allows you to have interactions with patients even before you get to that program um, because it is very important um, to see, is this something that I like? We had many people that will come through like, hey, I want to be a doctor. And then they will start like interacting with patients. They're like, I don't, don't really like that aspect of it. Maybe they like more the management of it or they like other aspects. They maybe just, you know, wanted to do something else completely. But having that interaction with the patient very early on, either through volunteer opportunities or through school, allows you to have a better idea like, hey, is this what I want to do? That is really good insight. Yeah. I think the IRR program at Union College is so unique. I haven't really heard of that, especially within the Seventh-day Adventist schools that a lot of us have gone to. I know I went to Union with you and then ended up at Andrews University yeah. and then public college, University yeah. of Nebraska. So there, there are a couple other options, uh, not quite the same, but they have some similarities. I know there's a program at PUC that offers some of these search and rescue classes as well. Uh, there's something at Southern. Um, I know they have a, a more of a, a master's program that has to do with uh, um, with a search and rescue as, as well as nonprofit organizational like work and how that would you know kind of mission work how you would you would do that. Nothing quite as specific and geared as as a Union College. Um, kind of backtracking a bit. When I first went to Union, I actually went there to do. I wanted to do pre med. I didn't know what PA was, <laughs> so I was like, ah, I'm gonna go do pre-med through whole stages of you know moving around, wanting to go to different colleges. God just took me to to Union, and maybe we'll have a podcast about how I even got to Union. But um, yes. once I got to Union and I went as to do uh, pre-med, I started taking the classes, and then I kind of got a little bit discouraged because. I realized that it was going to be a long road ahead. So four years of college, you know, if you do everything really well and you get all the good grades and then you take your MCAT and then you hopefully get into a medical school mm -hmm. and then another four years of medical school and hopefully you get really good grades and then you impress the right people. So that way, whenever you have to apply for residencies, you know, the day of, of atonement, the match yeah. day comes <laughs> and then you hope that you're amongst one of those people that are matched somewhere and, and hopefully the right and the specialty that you want because... I mean, you, most people maybe don't understand, but like as a doctor, once you're in a specialty, you're kind of in the specialty, unless you want to go through the whole shebang all over again to reapply to residency and go through, you know, being a first year resident, second year resident, um, you're stuck where you are. Right. Rarely do you kind of get out. So I was getting very discouraged. I'm like, do I really want to spend, you know, the next four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, three to five years of, of uh, residency, maybe fellowship to you know, be four years old to then practice medicine. Um, so I uh, told this idea of, be, of, of doing nursing. So for a hot second there, I was um, taking classes to do a double major in nursing and, 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 um, a P, and an IRR. Um, and then um, the more I started, I, I had met Amy at that point, we were just classmates. 
And she told me about like, oh yeah, I'm just doing pre-PA. And I'm like, what is PA? And like, oh, physician assistant. I have no idea what that is. Just explain it to me. Because like, oh, you know what a nurse practitioner is? Like, no, I do not know what that is either. <laughs> so she explained to me. He's like, well, it's not, not quite a nurse, not quite a doctor. Somewhere in between. You can prescribe, see your own patients. You still have a supervising physician on top of you. But you have quite a bit of freedom. And I'm like, wow, okay. So what does that entail? I was like, oh, you know, three years off to college. And then, you know, pass your test. And you're, you're good. I'm like, wow, that sounds very interesting. So quickly after that, I decided to change my emphasis. Luckily, all the classes I had taken really, you know, worked out. So I didn't really have to take any extra classes. Uh, but that's that's how I, I decided to stay in the PA route. Um, and and honestly, I, I mean, if I had to do it all over again, um, I would probably do the same, um, even though I don't like school. I hate school. Like I just, I hate reading. You know, I'm a very visual person. Like if you make me do things with my hand, I'll learn really well, but just sitting in class and listening and trying to read and I'm just, you know, like kind of undiagnosed ADHD person here. So very hard for me to focus. Uh, but um, I um, honestly, God led me through it. Um, and then there's a lot of trials and tribulations, but made it here and, and I mean, praise God, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Uh, but you know, he just, through twists and turns and 180 degrees and then 360 back the same way and then going like we made it here and and uh, I praise God that's 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 the way he, he brought me yes this is so beautiful and you and your wife are both PAs which is awesome I can relate to the joy of being in a diverse field so as a speech language pathologist there's so many areas that you can treat and diagnose like voice communication swallowing um, all sorts of things so you're never bored and that's great about being a PA that you can work in a, a lot of different settings with a diverse population and yes. you're not having to do a bunch of uh, more years of study or residencies to be able to work with those populations. Yeah, and it's a, uh, uh, I mean, you know, you could be a family uh, medicine provider by day, you could be a ER provider by night, you could do dermatology on the side, you could do, you know, go and do surgery. Uh, it is all based on um, your, you know, finding a job where there's an opening and then the willingness of those providers to teach you what they, what they do. But they understand that, that Unless they teach you, you're not going to know. So there's no, um, you know, of course, they would like to find someone that already knows the, the subject matter. But but they a lot of times like to get people that come from different areas or, or new grads because then they can mold them um, the way they want their practice to run. Um, so there's not that animosity towards like, oh, we're going to hire someone that doesn't know how to, you know, help in surgery. Like, it's okay. It's going to take a few months of training. But, um, you know, People that are, are skilled, they will learn quickly and they'll adapt. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I, I always think that a few months worth of practical learning, you know, equates to multiple years of, of book learning. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very, um, you know, we always, we go through school, you know, 12 years of, of, of primary education and secondary, and then we go through college and all these things. I, and I think a lot of the things, if we were to put those book, books away and actually put kids in, in a real life situation to try to teach them. I mean, math, you know, like, hey, finances, how do you do this? Rather than like, all right, let's study quadratic equations and let's tr try to study trigonometry and ge uh, um, uh, algebra and, you know, but if we were to just get out of the classroom and put those things out in real world, I think it'd be so much easier because all of a sudden, you're do you have to do it to survive and you have to like learn it. And, and once you do it, 
sticks in your brain rather than trying to learn from a book and, and, a, and a theoretical base. Um, so it, it's the same thing with PA. Like, I mean, of course, it's for us with three years, there's, there's shorter programs, two, two and a half years, but you can only learn so much. Right. And that's why medical school is only four years. You can only learn so much. You still have to go three to five years for residency. Um, but your real learning begins once the classroom ends. Once you start in your in your PA profession, you go into see your first patient by yourself. That's where your learning begins. And then you come out of your patient's room and you're like, oh, let me Google everything and up to date, <laughs> making sure that like, do I remember this right? Was it this medication or what is this diagnosis? You consult with your with your fellow providers nurse practitioners pas doctors you call your uh, supervising physician and that's where the real you know guess what the next day if you see a patient just like that you have that information in the back of your mind hey i did it for this patient is it similar situation enough where i can use the same treatment or should mm -hmm. i modify it to um so um i love that about about pa um speech language pathology is the same thing i mean you know we refer kids to speech therapists all the time you know either because they're having a hard time um learning how to speak you know they're mm -hmm. two three years old four years old they're barely barely saying any any words uh, you know people that have a hard time uh balancing or, or remembering things you know so we you know and all those things i know there's like subspecialties within this the uh, speech um pathology uh, genre um uh, physical therapy same thing i mean you know we send a people you know geriatric pediatrics you know like a neuro type of you know or like muscular there's so many different so every you know sometimes you just say like oh you're a doctor or you're a x or you're a y but there's so many things that you can be doing within that small category of people right uh, yes. that it's like completely it's like no i don't see those patients <laughs> like i don't have any experience you know i'll have patients that comes like hey i I'm about to have a baby. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You don't want to see me. I'm not an OB. <laughs> like, I'll make sure you're not dying, but we got to refer you off to an OB because I just, I'm not training that. No, I, I wish I, I had more experience, but, you know, I delivered a baby once, but that's about it. Oh, that's <laughs> you know, so, awesome. Yeah, came out good. You know, it's good. Yay. Didn't drop it. That's, <laughs> that's so. so fun. Okay. I love how there's so much that we can all do in our fields, but then, uh, PA, speech language pathology, physical therapy, occupational therapy. There's so much. Yeah. So we picked good fields. Yes, yes. And <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, um, you know, when, when we went to college, we actually were taking some of the same classes together. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, you had to leave us pretty right. pretty early on. But, but you came right. back. And then, you know, um, just for the audience, we, yeah. uh, we were never um, close. I mean, we we're just, we knew of each other. Um, Hannah just reminded me that was one of the people that before we even started at college, I sent her a message. It's like, hey, I'm going to be here in your class. Yeah. You know, I just try. I, again, coming from California, I didn't know anybody in, in mm -hmm. Nebraska. Um, and I think at that point, you didn't really know many people either. Right. Um, so we were all just uh, communicating through Facebook, through our, our uh, fresh class and um you know uh, we were only together for a little bit in, in the same classes but then she came back and we we always um ended up in the same places we had mm -hmm. common friends together there would be church activities that we get together um you know her um dad uh, pastor a church nearby I, I went and sang there a few times uh we were never close though um nothing wrong with that we're acquaintances just right. not not uh close friends uh there's a thousand people at the school right so it's like you know hard to be best friends with everybody there that is uh, right. but god does great things and years decade <laughs> decade later you know we're here and we're actually uh we've become uh, very close uh, hannah uh, myself my wife a bunch of our friends and now we're uh, 
really I would consider you a very close friend and it's um, it's been a, a pleasure and a really a blessing to reconnect after this many years of like really not having seen each other and over the last year and a half or so we've really become much closer and yes yeah yes I am so thankful for Emilian and his wife for those of you on our YouTube session you're about to see the cortado that he made me <laughs> <laughs> so I've been enjoying um visiting um, um hang on let me take a sip of the cortado <laughs> <laughs> all right she needs a little bit of the energy today oh, delicious I had two of these yesterday so <laughs> Amy and Emilian are beautiful, sweet, precious friends of mine, and I am so happy to be visiting them for the weekend, and I brought my dogs, they've got their dogs, and we've had so much fun between ministry. Yes, I was so man. happy to preach at your church yesterday. That was so fun to share the yeah. testimony. Guys, look it up. Lemore SDA YouTube channel. Uh, okay, it's uh, January 27th. Uh, it was beautiful. Just it's on the live stream there. Um, let's just say there is a lot of tissues, um, you know, being spread around. We're running out of Kleenex for people to use. It was it was a lot of healing and a lot of a lot of beautifulness going on in the church. And and uh, people want to see your back. So please write your comments to her to come back and and, and, and preach for us again. And I know people want her back uh-huh. already. But but go go to that channel and uh, watch that video. Spread it because it was a really beautiful message. Oh, thank you, Emilian. We'll put that. We'll put that link in the description of this. And besides ministry, we are all enjoying as friends learning how to dance. Yes, so yes. I am a healthcare traveler right now in San Luis Obispo, and I am learning how to dance. When I have my dance journey with Nexus Ballroom, we meet in the lower level of the slow public market. And Amelia and Amy are taking lessons. Where are you taking lessons? Patty's studio in Hanford, uh, and where uh, our teachers are uh, Carlos and uh, Bianca Cervantes. Um, they've been teaching us for uh, just uh, just over a year now. They were new when they first started, but man, let me tell you, they're just great teachers. They just uh, you know you can see someone growing through their teaching styles, and and they 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 had a, a hard job to try to train this this people. And um, you know Hannah know th- knows this. We kind of grew up in a um, you know, in a Christian, uh, you know, more conservative Christian view. Um, and uh, growing up, it just, I think, uh, there's just this culture of like, um, you don't really dance, mm-hmm. right? Um, so either because of X reason or Y reason, it's just, you know, in our uh, Christian culture, you didn't really dance. Especially me, I grew up in a uh, Romanian Adventist culture. Romanians are uh, traditionally Orthodox. The Orthodox religion is very traditional very conservative so the romanian adventists i'm saying the adventists they they tend to be even more traditional and conservative than probably the rest of the adventist community in the the world so it was just a no-no the dancing part right um so just never really danced till just about a year ago in january so just been about a year with with dancing and man was i stiff and i mean i'm still stiff don't get me wrong like i'm not saying i'm the best right now but there's definitely been a night and day difference between what happened a year ago to where we are now. I mean, there are times when we just wanted to quit because it's just not not working out. But we're having the time of our lives, and not just that, we've met some beautiful people. Yes. And Hannah can attest to this. Some of our friends here that mm-hmm. you just you don't know what you're missing right. until you find those people. And yes, um, I have friends all over the world, multiple continents, um, uh, and they're they're to say best friends. Um, and um, you know, still keeping contact, uh, but 
moving here to Lemoore, um, we, we had some friends and it wasn't like, but it was just hard. It was different stages of, of, of life. Some of them um, married and have kids. And, you know, once you have kids, it's hard. Like kids have to go to bed at seven or eight. You know, they have to take their nap. They have to do this and they have to do that. And, and even though we still hang out and still hang out now, we still hang out then, it, it just became harder and harder. And we just felt like we didn't really have that community. Uh, the, young, the young adult population, our church, that's our church. They're they're very nice people, and we have had multiple of the church member kind of takes us take us in as as more like their children than anything else. But but they're just an older population, so it's you know some of the things that we do. It's not something that they're necessarily interested in. Not that they they hate it. It's just you know it's just different. So we were looking for at least, at least me. I was yearning for having those people that were our age and similar interests and stuff. And um, I didn't know how I would dare to say sad, maybe depressed, or just uh, maybe unhappy. Um, I was because I've always been a cheery person. So, you know, I just try not to think of the sadness and, and, and you know, really indulge in, in that. So I just tried to keep myself up until I really met this group of friends and we started going dancing together. And then slowly, little by little, month by month, we added more and more people to that, to that dance group. And not that we were just dancing together, but we were creating memories together. And then all of a sudden we started noticing how every day we're exchanging messages like, hey, how are you doing? Like, I saw you're a little bit like maybe sick yesterday. Do you need anything? Mm-hmm. Hey, let's stop by. We're going we're gonna to bring you some some tea. We're going to bring you some something, you know, like, hey, you're sick. Well, here's some flowers. Hey, let's send you a card. Like, hey, you know, and, and mind you, a lot of us live 30 to 45 minutes away from each other. So it's not just like next door neighbor, here's mm-hmm. uh, some food, like it's a trek people are driving 45 minutes to make sure that you're okay to visit you and and it just shows that you know a lot of times us as christians like oh you know you gotta find christian friends or adventist friends Mm -hmm. to like really be but it shows you how like people out there you know they're they're yearning to to have someone that cares for them and they're yearning to have someone to care for Mm -hmm. and then to have that reciprocated and um man it's just it's just been a, a blessing and and how we're all someone looking for the same thing and then the more we talk the more we 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 get to know each other the more we realize that you know we're all in a similar place in life and and you know maybe we just don't quite say it but um you know we're looking for for a higher power out there that loves us and we're just looking for what that higher power wants from us and we're all on a different journey on where we are with that and and how we worship that 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 majestic being but but we're on our journey and uh yeah i mean it just it's it's been a blessing it's been a blessing and i mean it's been a lot of crying and you know getting to know each other and again and i can attest to this because yes. we've been having a lot of conversations with with our friends and but it just it's it's been i mean i can't i can't praise god enough for what he's been doing for us over the last year even our church members you know they're like hey like you know they kind of found out we're dancing and they came to some of our birthday parties like hey since you guys started dancing, you guys look so much happier. Mm-hmm. And like your friends, your dancing friends are just such good quality people. Yes. Um, it, it just says a lot, you know, I mean, having having that sort of response, it just says a lot that like they are good quality people. Yes, such good quality people. And I think that throughout the Bible, Jesus modeled just having relationships, friendships, with a variety of people, not everybody thought exactly like him. Yeah. Not everybody looked exactly like him, walked exactly like him. He just loved diversity and yeah. he loved friendships. And I think that the Latin dance community is so good at 
being so um, loving, accepting, and supportive on everybody's personal growth journey yeah. and open oftentimes to the spiritual growth journey too, which is so neat. And I was so, um, so blessed to meet your dance friends. And I think now's a good time to say thank you to Nexus Slow for sponsoring this episode of oh. the Echo and Encourage podcast. So Nexus Slow is located in the lower level of the Slow Public Market, and there are dance classes all the time. We've got Latin dancing, West Coast swing, ballroom, Argentine tango, country, all sorts of dancing, and a lot of fun upcoming events. We also have monthly us nights for the community to come together, and we have a great time outside of just dancing so we went out to get a some coffee one oh. day we had a karaoke night <laughs> awesome. i had so much fun with that and we also had a vision board dream board planning night so look out for those fun community events and our dance uh, communities are about to collaborate uh, on march 2nd at nexus slow where your teachers are coming to teach for an hour and then we'll have social dancing for the community to celebrate season two of the echo and encourage podcast there praise the go. lord hey there you go hey guys if you're in the area or even if you just feel like traveling a bad march 2nd uh what time so i believe the class will be at seven seven to eight and then social Perfect. dancing after that perfect so it will just be a night to remember so if you're around come we'd love to have you um it's gonna be great you know hannah just you know graciously want uh, sponsor this and invited my teachers to be there and it'll, it'll be it's gonna be great i mean we're, we're trying to bring people from here to join us there so we can just kind of get this uh two dance communities i know we're about like an hour and 45 minutes away from each other but it's really not that far in the whole grand scheme of things mm -hmm. and uh we always love to just meet new people through through dancing and um you know just like you were saying uh, Jesus hung out with all kinds of people, right? Tax collectors, mm -hmm. everybody hated them, right? right. Like um, fishermen, I mean, they probably didn't smell great, you know, like, and like all kinds of people from all kinds of different walks of life. And then, you know, um, same with us. I mean, I'm a PA, my wife is a PA, but then we have, you know, a couple of our friends are teachers, um, the admin in the educational um area. Uh, we have um, people that work in agriculture, you know, like managing uh, fields and, and, and worrying about that. People working just regular jobs, people working at dance studios, people doing all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, we all come together and it's interesting because the, you know, we every week we, I mean, not quite every week, but at least a couple times a month we go out dancing and we see these people a lot of times and like, you see the same people over and over and then you like dance with them and you say hi and then, you know, maybe you exchange your, your name and, you know, maybe you have them friends on Facebook, but you're not really close because, you know, it's oh, you five minute dance, you, you can't really talk too much you're worried about making sure you don't mess up because you know you want the girls to enjoy the dance but um there's these snippets of like hey let's talk for a bit you know we're like hey let's go out like last night we went out to eat and out like you know at 1 30 in the morning we, right we had your uh dance ballroom owner is it a ballroom yeah. or um, was it a dance, dance studio, studio dance studio yeah. your dance studio owner we had uh people from the dance community night. there yeah and uh we just you know started talking and all of a sudden one of the other guys and we hadn't we had met him before but we never really like got to talk to him but he's like hey is it okay if we pray before we eat and mm -hmm. 
it wasn't us that asked. They were like, sure, right. let's, let's pray. And then we, uh, you know, we started eating and then he started sharing his testimony. There are kind of a couple groups there. And then on my side, we're sharing our testimony and our dance teacher and, and teachers and, and owner, they're sharing their testimonies and we're talking about, you know, religion and God and, and, and days of worship and, and all these things. And you're just like, we're just out dancing. Yeah. You know, and we're just eating, eating in and out. For those of you that may be not in California or we're in and out, it's a good a good yeah. burger place. It but... was my first time <laughs> going to in and out and it reminds me of Lecrae's line. Yeah. When so... I'm in Cali, got to in and out it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just shows that people are craving, people are craving God. Mm-hmm. Um, it, not just that, but they're craving sharing about God. And, and it was such a beautiful thing last night that we were able to just hang out and, and talk about God and, and share how God has, has been in our life and how he's taken out of uh, some bad places and brought us where we are. And then now we're enjoying dancing, something that I always grew up thinking that it's such a secular thing. And he's like, you know, you, you usually de- growing up, you think of like just going to the club and trying mm-hmm. to get girls with your dance and stuff. But once you get into, especially uh, in my opinion, line dancing, just I haven't had much um, exposure to other type of uh, dancing, like line dancing or, mm-hmm. you know, West Coast swing or other stuff. But like, the land dance community is like you you go out there and you dance and it's 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 not about any sort of like the, the moves or whatever but it's about just uh, enjoying the um, um the beauty of the dance the beauty of the art yes. and uh you know after you you finish dance you hug your 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 partner that you dance with you thank them for how great they did and how you want to just dance with them again and then you know you, you split ways and then maybe a few songs later or the next week or the next month you dance again and just this beautiful camaraderie of just you know getting together and yeah i just never thought that that was that was a possibility you know i just always saw it like you know growing up and I was, oh, it's just such a like you know taboo thing to talk about mm-hmm. and such a but it's it's been it's been awesome for us and and the more we you know my wife and i have been kind of this year we're like our mission is to really share God through dancing yes. and really like not just be passive, like, yeah, I'm Christian, mm-hmm. you know, and I do good things, right. you know, but I also dance. Just be more mindful about like bringing God into our conversations and then just letting God do the rest. Not be pushy, not like, hey, you got to come to our church. Right. Hey, you got to do this. Like, no, just like this is our experience. If you want to join us, good. If not, we're still going to be your your best friend mm-hmm. and, and just, but we want to be more intentional about sharing God through everything we do right with our patients that at work through dancing through everything mm-hmm. else that we do but. yes i think that is such a beautiful way to minister to people in the community and it's so creative and um growing up with uh well i've been in a lot of different church um well conferences you know ohio michigan hawaii nebraska florida uh, a lot um new mexico and so you see the different cultures. So growing up in Hawaii, our community service at Hawaiian Mission Academy was to learn traditional hula dancing Beautiful. and uh, Japanese dancing. And um, that was my first you know, real exposure to the art of dance. And uh, I really enjoyed learning a lot about that it's a beautiful form of art, like you said, yes. and that God made our bodies and uh, we're supposed to rejoice and celebrate yes. life and his love and goodness and the way we carry ourselves and and the way that we move is can be an expression yes. of honoring him and um i don't think everyone um can see the beauty yet of of how we can honor him through dance but yeah. i think 
that um, more people are open to learning about it. And um, I think that the way that we do dance and the way that we express ourselves through that is also a beautiful testimony of just without even words, just yeah. just living yeah. joyfully and in an honoring way. And the other thing was that I wanted to say, um, when I think about Jesus in the Bible, he didn't just go out and say, everybody, stop what you're doing right now and like do a cold call or like yeah. um, just start preaching like the hardest topic in the world, right? Yeah. For 30 years, he was a carpenter, right? And part of the community. Yeah. And yeah. he was getting to know people and just doing life with them and just just having fun building those friendships. And I think that one of the easiest ways to make friendships and build community is through dance. Yeah. And guys, I mean, just look, I wasn't necessarily ecstatic about dancing um it was actually uh, a birthday present for my wife uh, it was like hey she wanted to do this and i'm like okay we're gonna do this for a month and i was like oh it's a month we'll, we'll, we'll be over it and then she'll she love it and then we're gonna move on but you know here we are a year and a month later we're still doing it but um if it's not dance if you try it and that's not your thing that's okay right that's um okay. you like doing uh you know game nights board games right. you wanna you like uh going racing cars you right. want motorcycles you want like hiking you want to do surfing whatever it is you know it, it's not about the activity itself mm -hmm. is how you use that activity to um to show even without words to people that you're a christian and that you're a god-fearing person you don't have to say it and like sometimes the words um are, are the least effective way not sometimes most of the time the words are the least effective way to bring someone to christ is really Someone should know that you're a Christian without you ever having to say the name of Christ. Right. And um, and whatever you do, I mean, for us, it's been dancing for the last for the last year and, and hopefully for the future. But you know, um, it, it can be anything. Mm -hmm. It can be anything, and that's why what I, what I try to encourage you guys is just find that community. Maybe where you are, maybe there's not a dancing community. Maybe not even like line dancing or you know anything maybe there's just there's just not there and like i'm not gonna have you move across you know the world to just find a dancing community right but there's probably other things that people like to do yes right so, like you do car racing yeah. we went to you and our other friends um soccer game yesterday yes. with a lot of community members all the way in fresno right yes. uh, or visalia, visalia, visalia yeah. was the soccer game then and fresno, fresno was dance. yes the dance night so <laughs> we've been all around california in the last little bit and the sermon was in Lamar. Yeah, exactly, yes. <laughs> so, right, you've got that. I love scuba diving and So do I. So oh, do you I. do. Yes. Wow, the next episode we are going to be filming underwater. And there you oh, go. We need a full face mask, a lot of oxygen cuz yeah. you know, but we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> yes, there's so many so many different um, hobbies, activities, ways yeah. that people can celebrate life and celebrate joy and um, I think that they can be so creative with that, and that's awesome. Another topic that I wanted to touch on, Emilian, and share with our listeners is that you and Amy have so much wisdom when it comes to investing in homes and to having that as a stream of income. Sure. Will you please share with us a bit about that, your journey, and for anyone who's interested in doing the same yeah. thing and making money off of investing in a home yeah yeah so i mean kind of 
going a little bit back to how we even got to to the investing in homes um I grew up in a, I would say, you know, middle to lower class family. I mean, my, my parents never made more than minimum wage until, you know, pretty much even now. Um, and uh, But they're, they're avid savers. Um, so in order to be able to invest, you have to save. Um, you know, that's just kind of investing one-on-one. You can, people say like, oh, use other people's monies, but that's just increasing risk, right? So um, sure, you can use other people's money and you may make a lot of money, but you also may not only lose your money, but you're losing other people's money. So uh, the first way, the first uh, step of investment is, is saving. So growing up, I just remember I was like a little kid, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And, and there's just a place where I would put my little coins, you know, like one year or two years. I lived in Europe. So, you know, just a couple of years here, a couple, couple of years there, cents, you know, bills, you know, and all these things. And um, my brother, he, he got paid pretty well, but you know, you get in Europe, you get paid once a month. So you got to make that, that check count, right? Yeah. So like, um, if you're not wise with your money, a couple weeks in, you're left with nothing because there's not another check coming in two weeks. You get your whole, you know, whatever it is, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand euros. It just all comes all at once. So you got to just make it work for the whole month, um, which could be great or it could be really bad if you're not good at managing your money. But mm-hmm. um, my brother at times was not great at managing his money, but, you know, he would every time I would see him, like, oh, here's 50 cents. Go buy yourself something. Hey, here's a new euro. No, he was very generous. He wasn't like he was. Um, he was a great, he is a great brother, but um, he would also just spend money on things. And then, you know, two, three weeks in, he wouldn't have any more money. So he would just come and ask me like, hey, do you have five bucks? Do you have 10 bucks? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll give you more when I get paid. So, you know, it just kind of a, uh, you know, very <laughs> heavily inflated uh, interest uh, loan. But, you know, he just did it because he, like, he, he loved me and he would just, you know, I would give him five bucks and give me seven or 10 bucks back, you know, a few weeks later. And, and it worked out for me. But I grew up like I with my mom, like she took care of all our necessities, right? I can't say we always had food. We always had shelter. Uh, we always had clothes, maybe not the best clothes, but we had clothes. I can't, I, you know, my parents did, did great for us. Um, did I have like, you know, I wanted a bike. I had to walk miles every day to go to school, to go here or there. Um, I, I, we couldn't afford a bike. So I just had to walk. And I mean, like, I just remember just like really like asking my mom for it. And she's like, we just can't afford it. And I'm like, okay, I understand. My parents were always very open about our financial situation. I always knew like, I'll count their money, you know, go. We had certain businesses and we like, I was always very aware. And, and even as a little kid, very understanding. If she said like, hey, we just don't have the money. Like, and if she would explain it to me, I would understand like, okay, like we're just not, mm-hmm. we can't do it. Um, so, uh, we, my mom was like, oh, you want a cell phone? Well, you gotta save and, and buy yourself a cell phone. And I saved the whole summer. I would work, um, at a restaurant and just putting the tables out on the terrace and like putting it back and all these things and saving money for my brother, my sister and my dad and all these things. And then I bought myself a cell phone and <laughs> I just remember my, like a few weeks, uh, maybe a couple months later. My brother's cell phone broke and I mean, he needed one because he was working. And my mom was like, well, you got to give your cell phone to your brother because he actually needs it. And, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, like it is what it is. You know, like I'm a kid, like I was 12 years old. I didn't really need a cell phone, you know, so. Uh, but kind of moving from there, um, I came to the U.S. Um, after being in Spain and I started in high school, junior year, high school and senior. And then like I started getting into the very like consumerism type of lifestyle going from saving everything to just kind of like you know being in southern california hey let's go out to eat macaroni grill and cheesecake factory and go to the beach and go here and go there and like you know like i'm trying to save the money but at the same time i'm spending most of it because everybody's just let's go to the movies and let's go you know not really 
making the wisest decision, but that's because everybody around you is not making the wisest decisions, right? Then I ended up in college um, and um, started with a credit card and, hey, like, I got to buy a couple of things for school that's not covered by FAFSA and this and that and, you know, have to pay a little bit here, a little bit there. Well, I want to buy some gear for my things that I'm doing and slowly racking up debt and debt and debt. And it came to the point where as I graduated college, I had about $10,000 in credit card debt. Mm. Um, and it was just, I mean, nothing to show for it. Sure, a lot. some of it was I had to pay some school bills that just weren't covered by, by the student loans, but a lot of it was just, things that didn't matter, things that I could have gotten without, you know, things mm -hmm. that I was very regretful to buy and I just jumped on the bank, uh, bandwagon, you know, just to buy yeah. those things. Um, and my wife and I were about to get married, so I just, you know, told her, like, hey, this is what's the financial situation. And I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore, but, like, I want to take care of it. Praise God, he helped me uh, be able to pay all that debt before we got married because I wanted to start our, our marriage with a clean slate. I mean, yeah. of course, we had thousands and thousands of dollars worth of student loans, but just as a credit card debt, and we just wanted to start it free. So um, I started, I would, even, even through college, I would buy cars, fix them up, sell a motorcycle, same thing, you know, do a couple of things, clean them up. A lot of times people just, you know, want to get rid of a car. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just don't want to clean it. It's all dirty, just nasty. If you spend a few hours with some elbow grease, vacuuming, cleaning it, maybe changing a couple of things, tires, you know, windshield wipers, fixing a couple of things. Um, you can sell and make a profit. It takes time. You gotta, you know, learn how to do it. And, uh, but I mean, nowadays YouTube, you can YouTube anything, everything, right? I mean, when I was younger and I started doing this, it was mostly like uh, forums, so like looking through pictures and what people are saying and reading and trying to figure out. And you know, it was like now it's you can see someone exactly doing exactly what you you have to do. So if you can follow steps, mm -hmm. you can do it, right? Yes. Um, so I just started doing this. God gave me a lot of good deals over a short period of time. So I was able to buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, and make good profit over a short period of time. And, and I was able to kind of get out of that credit card debt. And then we got married. You know, we're still not really making money. You know, uh, Amy started PA school. I, I didn't get into PA school the first time. So guys just know things that don't always work out. You know, we thought we both got to start, but we didn't. So I, I started working as a, as a um, ER tech. So I was working in the emergency department. Uh, pretty much glorified uh, uh, CNA, you know, just going around, you know, if people needed something, if the nurses needed help, if the doctors needed help, you know, with anything, sometimes cleaning rooms, sometimes helping them, you know, with holding, you know, like traction on a, on a, on a broken bone or mm -hmm. helping them put an IV in or whatever, whatever they needed, I was, I was there for them. Um, so I worked, Amy went to school, second year, uh, you know, Amy was still in school, I started school as well. So we were really not not making money. Um, we we're living off student loans, uh, but we finished. Amy graduated. I graduated. Um, it took me a while to pass the test. Amy started working right away, but it took me about a year to pass the test. I took it four times. So the first three times, close, but didn't. Fourth time was the was the charm for me. Um, during that whole time, we were really not spending money. I mean, it was, of course, we had our our house that we were renting a thousand dollars a month. Um, and other than that, I mean, I can pretty much tell you what our budget was, was under three, it was like about $250 for gas, $250 for food. Um, we rarely went out. We just ate at home, packed, you know, food from home. Uh, because I was home for about a year, I would cook most of the time. And then, you know, we would have um, fresh cooked food. Um, and uh, that $250 on gas was also counting that, you know, a couple times a month, we would drive down to Loma Linda, which is uh, where our family lives and about... 
four hours from here. Mm -hmm. So we really didn't spend that much. And we would do, do a lot of stuff, but it was mostly free things like, let's go hiking, let's go doing this, let's go to the lake, let's go, you know, things that were, were free. Mm -hmm. um, or we would travel very cheaply, like, hey, let's go visit our friends in Washington and just like take a trip, you know, spend a couple hundred dollars on gas, but we're staying at a friend's house and eating with them and, you know, just mm -hmm. having free fun. So we saved a lot of money through it. I mean, mind you, PAs, especially here in this area, we make good money, mm -hmm. okay? So praise God that, that we do, right? Not everybody can get to where we are with their income. Mm -hmm. You can, but it'll take longer, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Amy started in the 130s, right? Then I came in the 130s, $130,000 a year. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a big shovel to yes. like save, to put into that hole and then, you know, do something with it. But I have many friends who started out there around the same, you know, uh, salary, but they're buying brand new cars. They're buying mm -hmm. brand new huge houses, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar homes because they're like, I deserve it. I make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, mm -hmm. you know, sure, um, you're going to be working for the rest of your life. And if you're OK with that, I'm no, nobody to judge. Right. Mm -hmm. that's, that's fine. Yeah. But for us, we wanted to be, um, you know, kind of subscribe a little bit more to the fire movement, yes. you know, um, but financial independence retire early but not that it, i don't know that i will ever fully retire but we want to have the the independence to choose like hey do right. i want to work five days a week do i want to work two days a week mm -hmm. and then just hang out the rest of the other or do i want to just take a couple years off and go and do a mission or trip or like go and travel the world and i at least have enough money to do those things right, right? so it's not about like i never want to work a day in my life i love my job mm -hmm. But I also have so many other things that I love. I love cars. I love working on them. I love building houses, building things, and 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 enjoying stuff with friends. So it's like mm -hmm. there's just so many other things that I love that I want time to do a little bit of everything. So working 40, 50 hours a week, 60 hours, 80 hours, you know, some people work, doesn't allow me to take care of everything else. So mm -hmm. for us, it's like we're sacrificing now to buy time later. Yes. Right? But it's not really sacrificing because, I mean, just think, in college, you live on nothing, right? You like go to the calf or you eat ramen noodles or you eat whatever. Like, and then most of your fun, you're trying to do it for free because you don't have money, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, even if you spent a fraction more than you were spending in college, you're already living it up. Yeah. Right? That's so it's, right. A, it's like, it's, you're already improving your lifestyle. You just mm -hmm. don't skip ste steps, mm -hmm. you know? Like, um, have you ever heard of the, what is it called? Um, um, hedonic treadmill is that or uh, so uh, the hedonic um, ladder i think it's called where your level of happiness whenever let's just say you get a new toy right i just okay. bought myself a new toy i'm gonna be you know my happiness level is gonna go to a 99 percent over you know the next couple days maybe okay. 30 days and then after that it's gonna go back to 50 percent where it was before right so if i'm driving a toyota corolla today and tomorrow I buy a Ferrari. Guess what? I'm going to be very, very excited. Mm -hmm. Very excited. How long do you think that excitement is going to last? Statistic-wise, they say about 30 days. Yeah. 30 to 60 days. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to enjoy driving your Ferrari. Mm -hmm. But your level of happiness goes back to your, whatever your average is mm -hmm. pretty quickly within 30 to 90 days wow. from moving that. So you're moving from a 300-square-foot apartment mm -hmm. to a 3,000-square-foot house. How long do you think that's going to last? Mm. Three months? Six months? Mm. And then you're going to start seeing like, wow, I have to clean a lot. It's like a lot more maintenance and I have to pay more, right? So, you know, there's going to be great things, but there's also, my point is the average happiness level, mm -hmm. it decreases, 
right? So if you're skipping from level, imagine we're in a video game and there's like 100 levels and you're going from level one to level 15. Yeah, you're gonna be very happy for 30 to 90 days, but then the happiness levels, and then you're already at level 15, which is, you know, getting very close to level 99, right? What if you go level two, level three, you know, go from a Toyota Corolla to a Camry to like, you know, a few years later to a nicer, like a Lexus, and then a few years later you can to a nicer Lexus, right? So it's like every few years you improve your lifestyle, but by just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you're still getting an improvement in lifestyle. You're still getting that happiness, you know, that oxy, uh, oxytocin, mm -hmm. sorry, I was like, that dopamine release. Yeah. But you're spreading out over a larger time rather right. than going from zero to a hundred. And then I was saying like, now what, what am I going to do? Right. Like how much more than, a, okay, you buy a Ferrari now, you buy a Bugatti and then what else? Like you're, you're, you're pretty much there. Like you're going to buy a helicopter. You're going to buy like a 747 airplane. Like, you know, what do you do from there? Yeah. Right. And then that's what happens with people that like all of a sudden they have all this money mm -hmm. and they, they have everything, but they're not happy. Right. Because that's they've already accomplished everything they could ever accomplish mm -hmm. and it's like now they're like i'm gonna buy an island i'm gonna buy a country i'm gonna buy mars you know <laughs> and i was like what else like you know like buy jupiter after that like it's like yeah. your your happiness level starts to decrease with the more so not saying don't go up in like value and, and things that like i've, I've improved i don't drive a thousand dollar car anymore but you know i also don't drive a fifty thousand dollar car right right I could afford it mm -hmm. very comfortably, mm -hmm. but I don't want to have car payments. And I, don't, I also don't want someone to come and scratch my car and be like, oh, wow, that's like a oh. $50,000 car. Like, you know, like most of my cars, if someone comes and scratch them, I mean, it'll be a messed up day, but I'll be good. it'll be fine. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, it's okay. You know, I can probably still sell the car for more than I bought them with because I got about a good deal, right? Mm -hmm. So having said that, it's, we decided we're slowly gonna, you know, have have better things at home but also try not to like you know go too 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 hard so we're we're just saving just saving 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 um so in 2020 uh yes 2020 uh march we bought our first house okay. rental house i still hadn't passed my pa test at that point so it was only amy working so she had been working for just over a year did you need a first time home buyer um loan no so we just got it with a conventional go conventional we put 20 percent down um it was a very cheap house seventy eight thousand dollars. what was the interest rate about oh at that point we got it for 3.3 percent nice. so pretty good mm -hmm. i mean especially compared, compared to, now. to now but you know the, after that the interest rates went, went lower but yeah. still we're, we're happy with it so we had to put at that point because we put 20 percent down and then pay our all the closing fees um and then we had to have a little bit of extra money to actually uh, pay for a renovation. We had to renovate it a bit. Um, so we bought the house, $78,000. Not a great neighborhood, but we're like, it's okay. First time house, the house looked in good enough condition that with just some paint and just basic maintenance would look really good. Mm -hmm. uh, but it probably ended up being about twenty-five dollars to $30,000 when everything was done with all the paperwork and everything. I put that down, fixed it up, took about mm, three weeks to a month to kind of do everything that we wanted to do to it. Our mortgage payment was, um, I mean, it still is $367 a month for the house. I mean, again, it's a cheap house. It's a two bedroom, one bath, 800 square foot house um, in not a nice area, 
But guess what? People need cheap houses to live in as That's well, right. right? Not every house has to be rented for three thousand mm-hmm. dollars because guess what? People can't afford that, right? right? So we rented the house to actually one of our coworkers for eight hundred dollars a month, right? So people wow. think like, wow, that you know, like you're really charging these people, like. But it's like, first of all, nobody would be buying a house to rent it out if they're not going to make some money. So you know, right. that's that's the the part of entrepreneurship, like. People are upset at, at landlords because they're like, well, they're charging rents. Like, yeah, but they have to not only pay for the house, for the mortgage, they have to pay for their, because they're using their money, because they could just put it in the stock market and they get 10% return on their investment and just never worry about it, not have to deal with tenants and fixing things and plumbing and electrical, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, also, guess what? Every time a tenant moves out, got to repaint, got to clean the house, got to, you know, fix things that they broke. Sometimes, you know, even with, deposits they break a lot more than what they what you charge them for a deposit and like sure you can technically try to charge them but if they don't want to pay what are you going to do sue someone for 500 bucks or a thousand dollars like you just kind of count your loss it's going to cost you more to sue them than like yeah. you're going to recover so you have to take all that into consideration so we had uh, um, a co-worker lived there for about a month uh, a year and a half eight hundred dollars a month and then we had another coworker live there for a thousand dollars a month for uh, uh, the next year, and now we're renting it at eleven hundred dollars a month, and we have someone there uh, for with a lease for two years. So they've it's already been a year. They have another year left on the lease. Um, about let's see, this was March, November. We bought our second home again. Mind you, we're still going crazy on on on. Um, saving because mm-hmm. we're just like no we're just gonna save and just keep buying houses saving keep buying houses um, so we're enjoying life we're having fun I mean we're still hanging out with friends and we're still traveling but not just going to five-star hotels and mm-hmm. eating at you know Michelin rated you know restaurants and stuff um, so we're just you know having a good life um, so in November we bought our second house that we actually thought we were gonna like move in and stay there mm-hmm. for a while we knew it wasn't gonna be our house that we were going to end up there for a long time but at least a couple of years mm-hmm. so we bought it $175,000 we made an offer they had a 185 um, they initially didn't want to accept it but eventually they gave us they, they accepted the offer um, we it took about uh, three to four weeks for a renovation that we had we could have moved in but again we wanted to rip out some carpets and fix up the, there's nice wood flooring underneath that just needed to be sanded and, and mm-hmm. repolished and, and, you know, re recoded and stuff. But so, you know, Amy will attest to this. She hated sanding that floor. She hated it. She's like, I never want to sand the floor again, but it, it ended up really, really nice. And we, you know, we painted and, you know, did a couple, couple upgrades and redid the kitchen and stuff. And it, it's a beautiful looking house. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that. We had to install an AC cause you didn't have one. You just had, you had a heater and then you had a uh, evaporative cooler swamp cooler you know this mm-hmm. uh but of course that here in this area is gets really hot 100 110 degrees in the summer so Oof. you need a, you need an ac triple digits <laughs> yeah did yeah. you put 20 percent down for this one too yes. the yeah. same type of um way you went about yeah, the conventional loan yes yeah. so you could when it's your own house you could do an fha loan uh which means you could put anywhere from zero to five percent i mean you could go as far as 20 percent but the problem with going anything under 20%, even on a conventional loan, is that you get what's called PMI, um, protective mortgage insurance or oh, yeah. something like that, right? So, and uh, you pay, you know, whatever, 20, 50, 100 bucks, ba- based on your mortgage is some sort of percentage, but you know, you pay 100 to $200 a month mm-hmm. uh, for something that 
doesn't do anything for you. I mean, it's just a fee that the bank charges you pretty much to assure that like if you were to stop paying and you don't have, if let's just say that you don't have enough equity in the house for them to auction it off and at least get their money back. Mm. It's just an insurance for them to be like, well, at least we've, we charge enough people and only like two people, you know, default on their mortgage. So I know a lot of people that want to progress really quickly through buying houses, they buy houses with as little money down as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then they use that money to like buy another house and another house and another house. And sure, when things go well, that's a really good way to um, really expedite your, your growth. Mm-hmm. But what if things start going south? Right. Right. It only takes one house for the tenant to stop paying to destroy the house. And then all of a sudden, like, what if you can't find a tenant to to go in what if you have to default on that what if the house now like let's just say it's a 2008 all over again right and your house value goes down by 20 30 40 percent and then not only that they're going to auction off the house but you're going to have a negative equity in there so then they're going to still go after you for whatever right so my point is there's a risk versus reward benefit assessment that you have to do and Mm -hmm. for us is we wanted to be aggressive on like saving and buying these houses but we want it to be fairly risk conservative, right. meaning that like, hey, even if the market goes down by at least 20%, we still have enough equity in the house to, if we have to sell it, we're not going down into negatives. Mm-hmm. Not just that, but we have, for every house, we save minimum of six months of, of um, uh mortgage payments you know mm-hmm. plus extra for big expenses like hey roof fell out you know gotta fix it 10 20 grand whatever it is right yeah. and and that's and that's what's hard the more houses you ha- have the more it takes to get to that like oh another 20 percent, another 20 percent, another mm-hmm. and then once you have enough houses the bank will actually ask you not only that you have to have enough money for the down payment 20 or 25 percent based on the on the bank they'll say you also have to have uh, like six months of emergency saving for each one of your properties Okay. as a saving. So let's just say if you're 20, you need $80,000 to put down for the house, but you have four other houses. They're like, yeah, but we need you to have another $50,000 in the bank. So really you need $130,000 in the bank in order to be able to buy this house. Okay. You know, just because they want to make sure that you're not just going to like buy a hundred houses and then default on all of them. And then they're right. stuck with the bill. Right. So we bought this second house fixed it up, we moved in. This was December. So we had already rented, uh, mind you, the first house, we, we just rented it out. We were still in our rent, uh, we were just renting from someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, we moved into this new house and then just a few months later, um, I saw this house that we're sitting in right now. It's mm-hmm. a it's a farmhouse, 18 acres, you know, not a huge house, 1600 square feet, but it has a big garage, a thousand square foot garage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's fenced in about five acres and then we have a lot of other area around. And I like saw it and I told Amy, I texted her, like, what do you think about this? She's like, I don't want to move. We just moved. Like it, we still had boxes in the garage that we hadn't, I know we, it had been about six months, but like we still hadn't unpacked everything. She's like, I don't want to move again. And I'm like, okay, I understand. Nobody likes moving. But what do you think of the house? Mm-hmm. Like just forget about moving. What do you think of the house? Mm-hmm. You know, still a little more, you know, just a little bit on the outskirts. It's just like, uh, it's really, it's really nice. I really mm-hmm. like it. So they're asking $500,000 and um, you know, it sounds like a lot for some people, but you know, for other people, it's it's not. And right. and uh, for us, it was it was really good. Um, mind you, for our last house, we our interest rate was two point seven five percent. Okay. Right. So um, for this one, it was actually we went down. It was uh, we got it at two point six two five percent. So nice. really good. But 
we're like, okay, let's go for it. So we told our real estate agent, hey, let's make an offer. And then she contacts the other real estate agent. They're like, oh, the owner decided to take it off the market. He doesn't want to sell. Oh. This is all within three hours of seeing the house. Wow. So the house was out on the market for three hours. They took it off. It was nowhere to be found. But real estate agents said like, hey, we can still put an offer. I mean, yeah. they could just decline. They may just not even answer, but we can send them a letter, mm -hmm. right? So we decided to put in an offer, and then after negotiating, they decided to sell it. Wow. So we were the only people that pretty much sold the house, mm -hmm. you know, because it was only on the market for three hours. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were able to, to make an offer and decide, and, and um, the old owners left us a bunch of stuff, like, you know, that we could use, a generator, a bunch of things that I'm still finding now that are very useful, and they did a really good job building this house. Um, but it was just a blessing. I mean, we could never, because we knew we always wanted, like, to be out in the in the country and have mm -hmm. our own space and we have chickens and ducks and dogs and and you know cats and you know like everything so we wanted some some space and we we love it but you know we just didn't know how soon it would be right so then we moved over here we ended up renting our, our old place that you know because the interest rate was so low and and because we bought our house for 175 about a month later the house next to us this is the the previous one in town sold for 250. okay uh, it had been renovated but very little bed so like within a month like our house like was about worth more and then once we renovated it actually probably worth more than what their house was worth so uh we are able to um rent that house for eighteen hundred dollars a month people stay there for two years now we have another uh, set of people that are staying there still eighteen hundred dollars a month so but our mortgage is seven hundred eighty dollars for that house you know so like we're, we're doing really good yes but again we didn't just go buy any house. Right. We could have bought a nice new built, you know, we don't have to do anything, right? But that eats off your margin. Not that you can't, you can do business like that as well, but I'm handy. Mm -hmm. I like to do things with my hands. Um, my stepdad also, you know, works construction, you know, so he was able to come help me. I paid him for that. Uh, but um, I'd rather make, you know, they always say that, like for real estate is uh, location, location, location. Mm -hmm. and you make your money uh, when you buy it. Meaning that if you buy the house at the right at the right time mm -hmm. and, and right price, that's gonna determine in five, 10, 20 years, how much money you've made. If you overpay for a house now, you know, it'll bite you in the butt later, right? So for us, we're like, okay, we've gotta find, you know, let's just say, usually the, the, the rule of thumb is you wanna find the least nice house in your neighborhood. Okay. Right? And then, because it can only go up, the price can only go up from there, right? right. If you buy a castle among, like, oh. you know, like cardboard boxes, <laughs> you know, it's not gonna be worth, it's not gonna go up from there. But if no. you buy a, a, a you know, shack mm -hmm. within castles, yeah, it can only go up from there. That's right. Right? So it's like, we always looked at like, okay, what's kind of like the least, the the not nicest example of the house in a neighborhood that it, it's good right mm -hmm. so because then we can just do some modifications and then the price is going to go up if you buy a really nice house in a not undesirable neighborhood and the house is like above what that neighborhood calls for your margin is not going to increase no matter if you put a pool in a neighborhood that nobody has pools you're not really going to get your return on investment on that pool right right if you are in a neighborhood where every house has a pool and you put a pool in, 
that whatever you spend on the pool, you're probably gonna get that return back whenever you sell the house. Right. So it, it's always like you know that sort of game. Again, not everybody's handy. Not everybody feels comfortable. You know, using skill saws and table saws and all these things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or just knows what to do or has the time and desire. Like, you know, my wife, she helped me with it. She does not care for construction. You know, she's like, I just rather work an extra shift or just like clean and cook and like mm -hmm. do other stuff. But like, she does not necessarily care for it. I love it. Like, I just love it. I will wake up at like six in the morning, go work for a couple hours on the house, go to work, like do it out all day and then like at 7 p.m. after I would get out of work, go straight to the house and then work till like 11 p.m. And I, I did that for like a month. Like, and I, and, but to me it's like, I just like doing it. Like it just, I enjoyed it. I just took extra food to the, to work. So I just like, I would just eat all my meals at work and then I would just work early in the morning and work late at night and just so I could get it done. So I wouldn't have to pay someone else to do it because mm -hmm. again, we're trying to be as cheap as we can so we can make our money go further, you yes. know? The more we we get into this, of course, you know, we start to get busy and but now we're also starting to have a little bit more money so we can afford to be like, hey, someone's toilet stopped working, like I can go fix it myself. But like, you know, I, I'm planning on going on vacation with these people. Like, do I am I gonna stop my vacation? So I'm gonna call someone. I'm gonna yeah. pay the couple hundred bucks for them to come and take care of it, right? Whereas mm -hmm. like a couple of years ago, I'd be like, No, I'm I'm going, I'm right. doing it myself. And and you have to realize that there are times in your life when you have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice your like fun and like your time to save a buck. Once you sacrifice enough, eventually it, it, it start it it's the turn of reaping the reward, you know, sowing, yes. you know, the fruits that you have planted, right? Yes. It's like but it takes time. Yeah. You know, and the problem is people will see where we are now and say, like, oh, you guys have four houses and and cars and this and that and like all these things and a big acreage and a fireplace and a boat and whatever else, right? I want to have all that. I'm like, cool, great. You're 20 years old. Right. Nothing wrong with wanting to have that, but don't get into debt to get like, mm -hmm. I'm going to buy a boat, you know, $60,000. Yes. I'm going to put 0% down and pay $2,500 a month for the boat. And then I'm going to buy a truck for $90,000 so I can tow the boat once a year to the lake. Right. And, you know, then I'm going to buy a camper that I'm going to use, you know, for a weekend a year. It's like, because they want to have everything that someone else has, but it's like, no, like we work really hard to get here and we sacrificed a lot. Yes. Right? To get where we are. And even now we're not we're not living it up. Right. Like, you know, we still eat, like, you know, it's interesting because we go to work, we bring our like food from home, mm -hmm. right? And we make good money. And like some of our assistants that make way less money than we do, and we love them. They, you know, we could really could not work without them. But they're going out to eat every day. And I'm like, people. You cannot get any farther out in life if all you're doing is spending the money that you make that day. You make a hundred dollars a day and you're spending fifty dollars on food. Right. You still have to pay rent. You still have to pay other bills. Like, you know, it's gonna cost you five dollars for the food that you cook at home to eat all day. It's mm -hmm. gonna cost you like twenty-five or thirty or fifty, depending on what you get, and like yeah. a Starbucks and a, you know, like. So, you know, it's you have to know that there's sacrifice, and there's also lifestyle. You know, like mm -hmm. we don't just not eat out as much because it's expensive but also because it's healthier to eat at home mm -hmm. right so we just eat out at home we eat at home more once in a while we go out to eat it's a treat it's fun you know on friday we went out to that sandwich place in slow That's and it was right. really good i mean like yes. it was awesome like but it makes it so much more special when you're not eating out every day right and that was so neat because 
I drove to visit you and Amy here <laughs> and all the way from Slow. And On then, Thursday night. <laughs> and then they said, guess what? Uh, we're going to Slow to, yeah, <laughs> to surprise like Bianca four, for her birthday. Yeah, our and, teacher, dance teacher, yeah. And then um, we got to go to this great restaurant. What was it called again? Uh, it was um, De- uh, High Street Deli. Oh, I loved it. Slowly. Now I was a tourist in, <laughs> in, my, your own town. in my own town. <laughs> and then I went on my first hike there, Bishop's... Uh, trail, Bishop Peak Trail, yeah. Yes, and that, wow, that was a great workout. And so it's great. So then we, we came back. Yeah, so I mean, but my point is like, you know, if you were to eat out every day and you go to, to Starbucks and you go to like Subway and you go to Chipotle and you go to all these restaurants around, would that be any as special as it was? No, no. it wouldn't. And it does taste so much better better and healthier when you're able to take the time to make it at home. I know we all had leftovers for breakfast today. I love leftovers yeah, and it's yeah. so nourishing. And you and Amy are incredible cooks and chefs. Oh, so praise God. Praise I God. mean, I felt spoiled. I would rather eat <laughs> your guys' cooking yeah. than go to uh, any yeah. other type of restaurant. I love it. And yeah. I've been cooking at home more myself meal prepping, taking my meals to work at Costco with my Costco membership. um, I've been getting a lot of pre-made salads, avocados, hummus, and then you're able to just, you know, open it up and open it, it. bring it to work and it tastes really fresh and it's a good deal. And I've noticed I've had more clarity since eating this, um, more healthy way at home and I've saved a lot of money on yes. grocery bills yes uh, which is awesome yeah so yeah I I am so proud of you guys for investing early on into your future yeah. you mentioned house number four yeah so we after we moved here uh, we were here uh, moved in um, what was it July of 2021. Okay, so mind you, in um, a year and a half, we bought three houses, mm-hmm. all 20% down, right? And then by uh, April of 2022, we bought our fourth house. We went to see it. This is during the craze. I mean, people were seeing houses. If they're asking $200,000, people are offering, offering 250, 280, 300. I mean, people are just going crazy. So like we had some money saved and we we just saw a couple houses or like oh maybe you know and then we saw this one house it's like oh let's just go check it out like right when right when they posted so we went check it out it's like like looks good it has good bones there's gonna be a couple things that need to be fixed on it um, they're asking two hundred twenty five thousand and uh, at that point uh, mortgage rates were somewhere between four point five to five percent so they had already gone gone up mm-hmm. um, and you know we talked to our our lender they're like okay you need to put since you already have this many houses you need to put twenty five percent down and then you need to have six months of mortgage payments for each one of the houses so um, it was it was a, a big chunk of cash yeah. so I think we had to pay, put about sixty thousand dollars or so plus we had to have another forty thousand dollars in the bank so it's like we had to have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank mm-hmm. right to to do that um well we um we looked at the house and we're like okay like we're not gonna offer anymore mm-hmm. like if we were gonna offer two hundred twenty five thousand dollars no stipulations so we did, i did our own my own inspection but again that's because i don't recommend for most people to do it unless you are really confident about your knowledge of what, you know, 
could be. And again, even even general inspections can miss things, but you know, if you are not 100% comfortable on what everything you should be inspecting, pay for a general inspection, pay for a termite inspection, pay for, pay for a roof inspection. Look, even if you if you don't get a house because they discover something, even if you pay those things three or four times, by the time you, you buy your house, you'll think, oh, I just spent $5,000 in inspections over three or four houses. It's money well spent. Because if you were to buy a house and let's just say you need to change the roof in a year, mm-hmm. that roof is going to be ten, fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000. Right. Right. So, and if they tell you that ahead of time, you either don't buy the house or you can negotiate that into the price. So mm-hmm. most of the time, based on the market, you may be able to negotiate that whatever they find in the inspection down. Right. My sister bought a house. They're asking, I think it's like two seventy. She did an inspection. And they're, they're about like $30,000 worth of small things that needed to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And she was able to get the house, not quite for, you know, 240, but she got it for 250. So about $20,000. Yeah. She paid a couple thousand dollars in inspections. But she got twenty thousand yeah. dollars off, right? Totally worth it. She had to say no to another house because of some of the things. But like again, you spend some money. But so for me, I felt comfortable. With them like, hey, I didn't. I know what I'm getting into. I knew I had. To, I will have to replace the roof sooner mm-hmm. or later. I knew it. I saw it. I'm like, okay, the roof. I don't know if it's gonna have a year or two, five, but it's gonna be replaced. So I'm. I'll make it the offer based on like I'll. I'll, I'll need to put a new roof in, mm-hmm. right? So we just told them two twenty five. No questions asked. Only stipulation was for the um, for the bank to appraise it at that value, mm-hmm. meaning that they're just gonna give us the loan. We weren't willing because what some people were doing, let's just say, someone asked for the house two twenty five mm-hmm. and they offer like three hundred thousand, but then the bank says like, no, this house is only worth two fifty, so mm-hmm. I'm only gonna give you two fifty. So you have to put another fifty thousand dollars on top of your twenty percent if you want to buy the house. And people were doing that left and right because they're like. Just going crazy. They're like, I'm. This is the last house on earth. Oh. Like, there's gonna be no more houses on this earth. You know, like your people are just bananas. So we just said, as long as the bank, you know, appraises the house to two twenty five, mm-hmm. we'll take it. But no other inspections or anything else. So we'll just we'll just take it. And uh, they're like, yeah, you know, they had gotten some higher offers, but they just didn't want to deal with it. You right. know, because people wanted to do inspections and do this and do that and let's check. You know, so we're like thirty day closing. We have the cash. You know, like. Like, I mean, we didn't do a cash, but we had the, the, the down payment. And then right. our, our lender was very fast. We work with someone who's, you know, charges a little bit more, but they just get, I mean, if you want to close in seven days, he'll probably get it done. Like, you just, like, as long as you have your, your paperwork in order, he'll mm-hmm. get it done, right? So, okay, 30-day closing, no questions asked. As long as the, the bank approves mm-hmm. the loan, we'll take it. And they're like, okay. And they had a couple of higher offers, but they just took caution. We're like, very surprised because, again, at this point, that time, people were going twenty, thirty, fifty, eighty thousand dollars over asking because my sister was trying to buy a house with us at the same time. I mean, she would like make uh, like ten percent over asking like offer, and people were offering like thirty, forty percent off. So we're just going crazy, like you know. So we're like, okay, well, it's meant to be. So we bought the house, cleaned it up. I think it was only like it took us three weekends. It was just Amy and I just went in and painted. It, well, again, not, nothing nothing crazy. It was mostly just painting and cleaning it up and just yeah. fixing a couple of small things. Um, and then we rented it out. Um, and uh, it's been good. <laughs> you know, we had a couple of different tenants. And one of my tenants calls me uh, one day like, hey, Amelia, very, very nice. And we love them. We're so sad that they had to they had to move out. They But it was a good thing. They bought a house. So we we're okay. very happy for them. You know, they're like, we're so sorry we have to move out. We love having you guys on land. Like, no, no, no. 
you bought a house. That's the best thing you can do for your family. Yes. Like, I'm not sad about Like, I'm sad because we lost them, but they're, they're good people. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, I'm so sorry. We are gone for the weekend, but we came back and the roof is like blown off. Oh. <laughs> so again, this is not a year and a half after we got the house. So again, we knew. We mm-hmm. knew that this was going to happen sooner or later. It's California. It never rains. And, you know, but... Um, it, it happened so you know had to call someone they had to come and and, and take care of it uh and yeah it was ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars but we knew that we right. bought the house knowing that, that that's what was going to happen mm-hmm. so you know but he was like oh i'm so sorry i'm like no it's not your fault you didn't bring a storm you know so uh but uh you know praise god we had the money we fixed it and, and the house is good we have new tenants in there they're so far so good we're not worried about them they're paying everything on time so it's good you know like we we if we don't hear from the tenants it means it's a good thing you know? that's awesome but yeah one question that i have is let's say you have a tenant that decides someday not to pay rent are there laws in place that protect landlords over this yes so there's um and this is all going to be state by state based so you know there are going to be states that are more uh tenant friendly you know the terminology or states that are more landlord friendly, right? Meaning that there are states, and one of them being California, that tenants, you know, they're they're protected more, which is great because we want everybody to be protected. I was a tenant once; I would not want my landlord to take advantage of me. But on the other side of the coin, whenever you give too many protections for one side or the other, people can abuse it, right? So if you give too many protections for a tenant, they can stop paying, they can start destroying your house, and it could take you quite a long time to evict them, right? So I would say probably in California, probably take you about six months to evict someone. Maybe six, depending six months to a year to evict them from the time that they stop paying. And then, of course, it's going to be like court and stuff like that. But there are, there are companies that do that. So you just pay them. It's a flat fee and they just kind of take care of all that. Uh, but, you know, it's the it's the justice system. So it just kind of moves, you know, at its own pace. Um, there are other states that are a lot more landlord friendly, which is, of course, great for landlords because, you know, if something happens, you can probably get a tenant out within, you know, days or, 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 or weeks, you know, a few weeks. But, you know, then in those states, I mean, the landlord can be, you can have the slum landlords and like just, they mm-hmm. don't just take care of the property and they're like, oh, you don't want to be here? Well, get out, you know, like, I'm not going to give you your money back. And they're like, the tenant can be very, like unprotected, right? Mm-hmm. So we, it's 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 a very tough balance because every time, you know, the legislation makes a law, like, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time, not all the time, you know, I know politicians can be crazy, but most of the time they're trying to solve a problem. Hey, we've seen this, there are multiple tenants that they were getting screwed by their landlord. So let's just put this protection in place. Mm-hmm. But what's the flip side of that? How could a tenant take that and weaponize it right right but on the other hand hey we've had tenants that have been very destructive to landlords properties how can we avoid that and then you put a law in place and but all of a sudden the landlord can use that to like mm-hmm. you know be mean to the to the tenants right so i don't know you know where you know, the laws fall and all that. For me, it's like, I'm here, I'm in California, I'm not moving because of it. So I just have to factor in that it's not if, but it's when. Mm-hmm. Every long-term landlord, at some point, and maybe even multiple times in your lifetime, they'll have a tenant that does not want to pay. Mm-hmm. Not that they just don't want to pay, but they may destroy your house. Wow. And that's just, that. and you have insurance for it, right? You have landlord insurance, and but not everything is going to be covered. Our pharmacist where we work, he has he has also a couple of rental houses 
And just about a year and a half ago, he went through this. It was about, yeah, six months or so and took him to get him out. And the house was very, very destroyed. Windows broken and walls cracked and things cut and, you know, just... So we took many tens of thousands of dollars to, to fix that. Yes, they had insurance. Not everything was covered, but you have to pre-plan that mm-hmm. when you're doing, when you're buying houses. That's why it's important for you, like, how many months do you want to have of just mortgage? Let's just say this person stops paying. First of all, you want to make sure that your house doesn't get repoed by the bank, right? So you want to continue, but you're going to continue paying the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Even if your tenant is not paying you, the bank doesn't care that the tenant is not paying you. You still have to pay them, right? right. So you have to stop the bleeding. So at least you got to continue paying the, the, you know. It is easier, of course, if you have a high-paying job, mm-hmm. right? Amy and I, we have pretty high-paying jobs, okay? We're not rich by any means, but we make good money. Mm-hmm. We're blessed to make good money. What that means is that by us living very frugally, we could still pay all our mortgages from just our our, our salaries, mm-hmm. right? But even so, we still have a lot of money saved in case tenants decide to stop paying or in case they decide to destroy the house, right? So yeah. it is very important. But there are companies that they that take care of that. So... You know, don't have to be too terribly, how do I say it, uh, too terribly, like, stressed about it. Mm-hmm. As I said, it's not if, it's when. Right. Every landlord goes through it at some point, sooner or later. Um, but there are things that you can do to mitigate that, yes. right? So you can use uh, property management companies for them to um, rent, rent out the house for you, right? So, like... They go through the tenants, they look at their background, they look at their credit history, they look at their rental history, they call around, call the previous rental places and, and check, see, did they pay on time? Did they show How did they leave the house, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that on your own. So far, we've been doing it all on our own. So I, you know, we have them, um, usually we've been doing it through Zillow. So you put your, your, your house out for rent on Zillow and people can apply through there. So we don't do paper application just because um, you know, first of all, I do not want to be in charge of people's like social security number and stuff and then have someone accuse me like, oh, you took my social security and you used it, right? So I don't get any of, any of the information. Mm-hmm. There's a fee. They have to pay for it. So for landlords, it's great because we don't have to pay anything, right? So like mm-hmm. they pay, I think it's like 30 or $40 for application. It sucks. I know, especially when you're having to apply to 20 different places and you have to pay those fees. Like, I'm sorry, I wish it would be free, but people have to understand as landlords, we also have to look at the credit history and not... I don't care as much about the credit score because I've had people with a really low credit score. But if you look at it, it's because they don't really have a credit history. Right. So if for me, someone that doesn't use credit is almost like a better tenant than someone who like uses it a lot and their credit score is low. Like, like right. They like right. have a lot. They're, they're on a lot of like um, collections and mm-hmm. all these things. So, you know, when people are like, oh, what's your credit requirement? And I tell them it's not about just the credit score itself. It's how's your credit history. Or let's just say hey, for many years, I was a terrible person with credit and with debt, and I just bought everything and never paid it, right? But that was five years ago. My credit screwed up for that, but you can see in the last five years, I'm trying to pay down my debt. I'm not accruing anymore. So if I look at that credit history, mm-hmm. I'm like, you're right. Five years ago, that all that stopped. So then I'm not going to, I'm going to take that into consideration. Even if your credit score is like 550 or 600 or 650, be like, okay, I can see a change in pattern, mm-hmm. right? And then if I can call your references and your and your previous download and everybody's like, yeah, they're, they're doing great, then I may still rent to you, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, we all love the, you know, 800 credit score and stuff, but it's, you may have people with great credit that may still not care to take care of your house, but, you know, I just look at patterns and then they'll do a background check and they'll do a eviction 
uh, history check. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have to input their, their incomes, you know, where they get their money from, how much they, uh, you know, they get, mm-hmm. how often, you know, all that. Um, in California, um, a new law came a couple years ago that um, if they get help from the government to uh, for for housing, right, like Section Eight or some other type of of, of uh, incomes from there, uh, you cannot uh, discriminate against that. Okay, so that you have to be very very careful. And and um, I mean, first of all, you shouldn't discriminate for that. People are in different financial situations. I know my grandma was using Section Eight to pay. I mean, she was getting. You know, she was nine years old, getting nine hundred dollars from from the government. Where would she be able to rent a house in Southern California for like less than that, right? So she was using Section Eight. It's a government help for it. So it's um, you can't discriminate based on where the income comes from. So if it's from some sort of welfare program, Section Eight or or Social Security, something you cannot discriminate by law, which mm-hmm. is which is good. Those laws are good. That's how they protect the tenants because you can't be like, oh, I'm not gonna hire anybody that is on. I'm not gonna rent to anybody that is on welfare because you're trying to keep bad people out but the reality is those people sometimes they have even more of an incentive to to take care of your house because there's really not that many low income houses you know like everybody's trying to have a house that rents for five thousand dollars a month and guess what most people can't afford that so there's very few houses and apartments that are that are cheap and those the people that live in there yes they may be low income maybe they they may be on security on disability or something Mm -hmm they're probably gonna to wanna to stay there for a long time because guess what, they're not gonna find another place. So right. a lot of times in my experience, they tend to take care of the house because they, they don't have another place to, to be. So yeah. I wouldn't be very afraid, contrary to popular beliefs, people like, oh, just rent to people who have higher class. Um, contrary to popular beliefs, I think that uh, there's not a much higher risk on renting to someone who is a, uh, has a lower income mm-hmm. level or that they're on disability or anything like that. Because a lot of times they, they need that house to be there, which means that they're going to take care of it. Yes. Again, there's exceptions to every rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I would just look more on their patterns. So credit history, um, eviction history, call multiple uh, people, like their references and and um, either uh, their bosses or mm-hmm. other people. Just to confirm that what the story that they're telling you. You have to be very careful because in California it's like... You know, they can sue you for discrimination, either either racial discrimination, gender discrimination, income discrimination, right? So I, I think if you just are a good Christian, right, and you just take it like, what would Jesus do? Yeah. Then I don't think there's anything for you to worry about, yeah. right? But if you kind of like, oh, well, this person is a different ethnicity than I am. And then you're just like, you create biases in the back of my, your mind because they're just different than you are. Yeah, that's messed up. Like, like that you may you may get sued for that. Like, you know, like, and maybe you're not doing consciously, right? right? Like, maybe it's an unconscious bias. Like, you're just like, well, you know, this person is just like me, so I'm just more comfortable with them. Mm. But why is are you more comfortable? Just because they're white or not? Like, you know, so you have to think. Okay, am I having any inherent bias? Right. Right. So you have to eliminate that, and that's why sometimes people use uh, management companies. Because uh, then you're out of the equation. So they'll okay. at the end of the day, they'll just say like, hey, this is who we think we're going to rent to. And then they'll, they'll just kind of present a couple options. And they, they take a lot of those possibilities of you making bad mistakes mm-hmm. and like discriminatory mistakes. And then you're less likelihood of someone coming and suing you for it. Okay. Right. So you just have to be careful. But I think it comes back to if you if you try to be a good Christian, 
and try to not discriminate anybody based on, on anything and you just like look at objective factors, mm-hmm. I think you'll be okay. That is yeah. good insight. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say is your advice for saving for property taxes in California? Oh, oh so I mean, property tax to, to me is like, I don't even think about it because um, it's on your mortgage. Okay. Right? So whenever you buy very few mortgage companies, you'll have to pay your, your property taxes aside. So it's called, you have an escrow account within your, your mortgage. So let's just say that your actual mortgage payment, which is just your principal and your interest, let's just say it's a thousand dollars, right? And then then on top of that, they're like, okay, we need into the escrow account, let's just say another $200 a month for insurance and for taxes. And usually those are paid once a year or, or twice a year. So they'll just, every month they're taking that $200 a month, putting it into, it's called an escrow account, and then every six months or every year, whenever those are due, then they take that money out. And then the next year they're going to reevaluate, okay, did the taxes go up? Did they go down? Did the insurance go up or did it go down? And then they're going to reevaluate your mortgage payment. It's only going to change a very little bit because your interest isn't changing if you're getting a 30-year fixed or a 15-year fixed. That's not changing. Mm-hmm. And your principal, like, oh, that stays the same. The only thing that could change is a little bit your, your insurance and your taxes. Okay. Um, so, you know, uh, on something that you're paying $2,000 a month, it may go up or down by $50 to $100 max, right? Okay. Just based on new legislation or, like, if there's a bunch of earthquakes or something like that, you know, that, like, maybe is going to affect a little bit, but I don't have to worry about it because every year you get a new, like, hey, from January 1st, your, you know, mortgage is going to be, $1,895 instead of, you know, $1,850. So then you just like, you just pay your mortgage and then they take care of the rest. So you don't have to, you will receive a tax uh, payment at home or well, a tax bill at home from, because they send it from the county, but your bank takes care of that. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, I would say probably 90 to 95% of, of, of banks do that. And the reason being is they're trying to protect their asset. The, this house is not mine until I pay it off. It's the bank's, okay. right? So if I don't pay my taxes on the house, the county can take the house, sell it because I didn't pay the taxes, and then the bank is left with nothing. Oh. So the bank is like, no, 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 we'll make sure the taxes get paid. So we're going to put it within your mortgage, okay. right? I so 90 to 95% of the times, the, the, that taxes, the taxes and the insurance is going to be within your what everybody calls a mortgage payment. Okay, yeah. well that is good. Yeah. And then do any of your homes have homeowners association or HOA fees? No. Did you do that intentionally picking homes without it or would you be open to buying one with the HOA fee someday? Um, it, it's, I struggle. I struggle because um, if you, if you get bored one day, go on YouTube or on your favorite podcast and, and type like, HOA, you know, horror stories. Oh. And it will just be, you'll go from like story to story to story of how this, you know, a lot of these HOAs, they like, you know, don't let you park your car in the driveway or whatever stupid things may be. Uh, and it's just because some of the rules are like outdated rules or there's like, let's just say, I know there's one in Florida. Um, they don't allow trucks to be parked in the driveway. Trucks. The reason being that HOA, they didn't want like service trucks, old, rusty, you know, like, because mm-hmm. they wanted just to be nice. So if you wanted to park your truck, you'd have to park inside the garage. Well, some of the new trucks, you can buy like a $150,000 truck. It may be much nicer than this 
person like you know whatever geometra that they're parking in their parking spot that is like you know three hundred dollars from the junkyard but so this guy's a hundred fifty thousand dollar truck he can't park it on his driveway because the hoa is like because it's a rule and the and the problem with with laws is that it's indiscriminate of it's not common sense right right you can't just be like well your truck looks nice enough mm. but a next there's neighbor's truck looks terrible right so we're gonna f- find him but not you mm-hmm. right so then that's where you would have to change the legislation, whatever but point is like this person is like got like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of fees and they had to go to court and all these things and they're st- still not solved and it's been like a couple of years right um not every HOA is like that mm-hmm. we have multiple friends that live within HOAs they love it they keep the area clean we go there visit they have shops and parks and pools and you know it's like there's there's great things about it another great thing about it is that whenever you have a tenant living in an hoa um you're not always the mean person so if you tell them like hey let's just say that you don't pay for um for uh, gardening you know that's part of their their duties let's just say you know, and you can choose that based on you know how you want to set up with them like hey i'm going to pay for someone to come or no it's your duty to to take care of mowing the lawn um, if they're not taking care of it, you know, you can remind them like, hey, it's HOA guidelines for the lawn to be taken care of. Mm. So you have to do it. If not, you're going to get a fine. Okay. So all of a sudden, you're not the bad person. Okay. Right? So there, there are good things. Hey, it's HOA guidelines that you can have, you know, a car missing wheels on your driveway and oil running down and like, you know, all these things and like beds on the roof and whatever. Right? So like all of a sudden, like you're, you can yeah. use those guidelines to be like, hey, it's not us, it's the HOA. Right. And if they if they send us uh, penalties, they're going to go to to you, okay. right? So it can be a benefit, mm-hmm. but it can also be a drawback. If right. you have, if you live in an HOA or you buy, want to buy an HOA, you better come through the HOA handbook. Yes. Because there are some old, outdated bylaws that maybe nobody enforces them. Maybe nobody will say, like, let's just say like the, the truck thing. Maybe nobody cares and maybe nobody says... But what if you have a neighbor mm. that is just like, I will not, I will not have a truck parked in the next door, right? And then they complain. Guess what? If it's a bylaw and someone complains about it, they have to uphold it unless they change the bylaws. And to change the bylaws, you have to have 70% of the whole community saying yes. Mm. And you're never going to get 70% of people to say anything. You could ask 70% of people if they like sugar and you're going to have someone say no. Like, it's just like, yeah. you're never going to get anybody to say, like 70% of people to say yes to anything, right? right. So... Um, you have to look at those bylaws because some of them say like you can only paint your house these colors but then like you look and those colors are discontinued like you know like oh you can only do this you cannot have curtains that cover the main like there there and I'm saying these are true certain HOAs will have certain things that like anything that can be seen from outside of the house like if you have your curtains open has to be X color and you're like you know so as long as you read and understand those bylaws and you're okay with those rules, I think it could be a great option. But always remember you're paying dues, right? So is it just like we have some friends, they pay like 30 bucks every couple months, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mostly just because they have a security car driving around. We also have some friends that they pay $200 a month in HOA fees. Mm-hmm. We have some friends that pay way more than that because they live in a very nice gated community and they have like you know, spa and they have all these things, right? So it just depends. Do you get enough benefit mm-hmm. from those HOA fees to 
to be okay with paying that HOA fee, right? right? And if you don't, then maybe look elsewhere. For us so far, around here, where, where we are in Lemoore, there's only a few places that have HOA fees. The price range where we're looking at, there were not HOA type of places. Mm-hmm. So it was an easy decision. We just didn't buy them. But um, I wouldn't be 100% opposed to it, but I would definitely be a lot more cautious mm-hmm. uh, just because um, I would I would really have to read through it and we know how I feel about reading. I hate reading, so yes. <laughs> I know you girls yeah. love it, but like I don't, I don't, I don't like reading. So if I have to sit and read a whole manual, whole yeah. stack of just like jargon <laughs> to understand what it says, right. I may be, I may not be terribly happy about it. But yes. uh, I'm not hundred percent opposed to it, and I don't think people should be hundred percent opposed to it. Right. But you have, you can just whenever you buy a house, they'll, if it is within an HOA, they ask you to sign a document saying I have read and agreed to the bylaws right. and I can be, you know, like sued for anything that is right. right? Once you sign that paper, it doesn't mean you get, it doesn't, nobody cares if you didn't read the bylaws because you signed that, right. you, that whatever is in there. And if this isn't there, that your firstborn child may be named, you know, oh. whatever that you read, you know what I mean? Like right. you signed that, you sign your name. It's like, you know, blood oath thing. Like you just have to, right? So you have to read it, even if it's your for your own personal home. And if you're okay with it, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like, as I said, we have multiple friends. They love living in their HOA and we love visiting them. It's yes. beautiful, right? You just have to, like for me, yes. I, I could never live in an HOA. I have a thousand cars. <laughs> yeah. Do not think my neighbors would love my half like pulled apart cars with like engines hanging in the air and like stuff like that. And again, that's not, and I understand if I were a neighbor, then it was like all clean and neat. I maybe wouldn't like someone having like 20 cars in their backyard either. So I understand I'm not judging people, but that's why I live in an 18 acre property outside of the city and I don't live in an HOA. But if you love neatness and cleanliness and uniformity and everything looking great and the grass mode to like, you know, perfect millimeter, you know, like length in HOA may be the place for you. And, you know, and maybe that's where you're the happiest, you know? These are all great insights and for all of us to think about. I'm sure our listeners have follow-up questions for you. Maybe it's about being a PA or about your hobbies or about how to get into investing in homes. How can they connect with you? So my name is Emilian Grigor. So my um, uh, Instagram handle, I believe, is Emilian Grigor, uh, 91. Um, um, you can find me Emilian Grigor on Facebook. I also have a YouTube channel. I don't really post, so you know. But I mean, I have some some videos. Go ahead, and look at them. You know, I have some me singing, some racing, but nothing crazy. Uh, but any of those, you can um, you can just send me a personal message. Uh, I'll you know usually I respond. I hate having those notifications on my phone that I have unopened messages. So if you message me, I will most likely respond because I'm pretty OCD when it comes to that. Uh, you have questions, or if you live in the area, you want to meet. I, you know, as long as I can make it work, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. And Emilian, what is one way that we can echo eternity or encourage others? Um, I think kind of like what we were talking about earlier is if you live a true Christian lifestyle, you don't have to say you're a Christian. So um, last night we were talking with our, uh, with Patty, our, our dance studio owner, and she said, like, I always go by, what would Jesus do? And it's like such a cliche thing, right? But it's like, if we always do what a good Christian would do, we don't have to say, have you met Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? Here's a Bible. Not that any of that is, there's anything wrong with it. Right. We need to do that at times. Mm-hmm. But I've had 
many people come to me and tell me like, hey, there's something special about you. Yes. Like, you know, do you, are you a Christian? What's going on, right? And like, I never had to mention it to them, right? Um, but yes, living just every day, um, living your life like a Christian. But my, my life motto and my, you know, my wife knows this is, is no dull moments. So just anything through my life is just, I want to um, have fun, just not allow in a, even the most mundane activities, you know, I just want to have fun doing them. And like, you know, tractoring around and mowing the grass or, or you know, like tilling the ground or whatever, just, I'm just going to have fun doing it. Going to work, I'm just going to have fun doing it. Uh, but, but putting things in my pathway that sometimes I have to jump over almost like an obstacle course to just make life more interesting, you know? So like, you know, sometimes, you know, just having those little, those little things that you have to go around, you know, is a lot more fun than just going a straight line, you know? And mm -hmm. so it's just, you know, having a car that is not the newest and greatest thing. Sometimes like things happen and you're kind of like, you know, for me, it's just a passion to just, you know, have to fix and clean and, and do and, you know, um, and it just keeps me motivated to just keep going and do it. So just no dull moments for me. That's, that's what we have on the back of our boat. And that's kind of my, my life motto. No dull moments. Love that. Yes. If, when you get to meet Amelia and Amy, you will know that there are no dull moments with them and being around them, you just, you know, it gives such a vibrant joy to me and everyone so please meet them someday it's just been an honor to have you on the podcast thank Alien. you thank you thank you for letting us film this in your beautiful home oh no problem for sharing your wisdom with us and for being um, such a go-getter and for seeing the big picture investing in you and your beautiful wife's future and for all the things that you do to support our community of friends in beautiful California. Oh, I'm awesome. just so honored Thank you. That, to have you guys in my life. Thank you awesome. for being here today. Also, guys, do you want a part two? Do you guys want to do this again? If you do, write down in the comments, yes. send a message, because, uh, you know, I know we're going to hang out more. Uh, she has a lot more people to interview, but, you know, it'd be cool to do it, to do it again. I had a lot of fun. Um, yes. And maybe next time we can uh, maybe switch the roles and maybe I can interview Hannah for a, for a, for a change. Oh, wow. All right. Let's, yeah, let's try that too. Let's do a part two and we'll have Amelia interview me and write your comments and or leave what you want us to talk about sure. in the comments. Sure. So uh, tell us a topic or if you want us to go deeper into any of the topics that we covered today. We would love to to do that, and thank you for yeah. for being so willing, Amelian. And I can't wait to interview your friends here. Of course. Too. And also, guys, please go on the comments and then ask for Pastor Abbott Abbott's part two. We've been all waiting. It's been eight months. You guys <laughs> find him. He's he's in New Mexico. If you guys are there, go to his church. Yes. And ask. Yes. We're we're begging you for a part two. Yes, my pastor dad is still still gathering uh, his availability to. You can't come leave on. us, pastor. You can't leave us with a cliffhanger like that. Part two has been so long. Yes. I'm talking to you. You know. You, you know, know who it. you are. Yes. Part two. <laughs> Wasn't it spiritual abuse that yes, was the topic? Yes, yeah. yes. part yes. two, it, it must come, season two. Yes. Thank you, guys. I appreciate <laughs> it. This was you. lovely. See you next time, everybody.